You are listening to Understanding Islam on the Voice of Islam. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Kama arsalna feekum rasoolan minkum yatlu alaykum ayatina يَتْلُو عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِنَا وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا تَعْلَمُونَ I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. We have sent to you a messenger from among yourselves who recites our signs to you and purifies you and teaches you the book and the wisdom and teaches you that which you knew not. Chapter 2, verse 152 Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah Welcome to Understanding Islam, Series 7. In this series, we will be covering the Nishanat, which is the signs and help of the Promised Messiah from Allah. And we're mentioning these in his own words, taken from the book Malfazat. Today I'm joined by Basil Aziz and Ikan Ahmed Khan. So welcome all. And we are going to cover the sign of Lekwan. So, Basil, can I ask you to please read this portion from Malfazat Volume 2 about the sign of Lekwan. The sign of Lekram. Moving on, the sign of Lekram would be likened to an unsheathed sword. Five years in advance, announcements were published by the parties involved in which a prophecy was made. Even Lekram himself would relate the prophecy wherever he went. The prophecy contained no condition and was perfectly straightforward. If Lekram had lived, undoubtedly, an uproar would have erupted. But this could only happen if what I said was not from God. In which case, the end would have spelled humiliation for me. Would Muhammad Hussain have remained silent? Even now, when this sign has been fulfilled and hundreds and thousands of people have accepted the truth of this prophecy, he states that some members of my community probably murdered him. It's a pity that such people fail to understand that what sort of a blind follower could have continued to believe in a spiritual leader who encourages them to commit murder. How could people believe in a spiritual leader who claims that his prophecies are a criterion for his truthfulness? But at the same time, he instructs his followers to employ unlawful means to fulfill his own prophecies. Shameful indeed are such notions. Those people who entertain such an idea, in essence, seek to disgrace our good-natured, just and vigilant government as well. The government left no stone unturned in this matter and led a full-scale inquiry into the matter of Lake Ram. 
but the mantle of my community and I were proven completely free and clean from the stain of this blood. Such people do not understand. Did Lekram murder my father or grandfather? He did not inflict any sort of harm or injury upon my own person directly. He did, however, make insolent attacks against the holy personage of the noble messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and dishonored him in such ways that my heart began to palpitate, and I was extremely grieved. I presented his disrespects and impertinences before God with a broken heart, and as a recompense for Lekram's insolence and disrespect, God conferred upon me a prophecy about him. In the very same prophecy, his death, the time of his death, and the manner in which he would die, among the other details, were explicitly stated. In the context of this prophecy, there is an illustration of a hand. Then, in the same connection, the following words are mentioned. Fear the sharp sword of Muhammad, peace be upon him. All this is clearly recorded. Now someone ought to tell me whether it is within human design and power to foretell of such a happening five years in advance. When Lekram was a young man of merely 24 or 25 years of age, of course not. This is an act of God Almighty. This is far beyond and above human power or human understanding and comprehension. Okay, thank you for that. Right, so it began with the sign of Lekran, could be likened to an unsheathed sword. Five years in advance, announcements were published by the parties involved in which a prophecy was made. First of all, who was Lekran? So this was Pandit Lekran, and he was a leader of the Aryan Samaj, which is a Hindu sect. Pandit Lekran was born in April 1858 in a small village of Saidpur, Jhelum district. He served in the Punjab police for some years and when posted at Peshawar, he was promoted to sergeant. He learnt of the Aryan Samaj movement and its founder, Diyanand Sawaswati. He resigned the police service voluntarily and devoted his life for the propagation of Vedas and became a preacher of Punjab Aryan Patinadi Sabha. He was the founder of the Aryan Samaj branch in Peshawar. He was married and had one son who died in early childhood. Lake Ram began actively propagating the teachings of Samaj and Vedic religion. He became the editor of the Aryan Gazette, an Udu monthly, and soon led the group of Samajists who were more radical in their opposition towards other faiths. Lekran wrote 33 books in Udu. Nine of them was against Islam, some of which were translated into English, Hindi and Sindhi. He was reported to be an enthusiastic debater. As a speaker of Arabic and Persian, he was involved in debates in multiple languages. Lekram was active in reconverting Muslims to Hinduism, who were previously converted from Hinduism to Islam. His writings drew constant criticism from the Muslim press. 
So this gives a background to Le Kuan and how he became the leader of Aryan Samaj and how he would openly do debates against Islam, trying to convert Muslims to Hindus again once they've left Hinduism. He mainly targeted those people that left Hinduism, became Muslims, and then convert them back to Hinduism. But the main thing was his attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So hopefully that will give you some idea about his background. But now let's turn to his relationship with the promised Messiah, Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad. After Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad wrote Bahini Ahmadiyya and announced that he was the recipient of revelations from God and was God's reformer of the age, then Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, then challenged the Hindus, the Christians and others to compare their scriptures with the Holy Quran. Now to attract more attention, he added that he would give a prize of 10,000 rupees secured on his houses and land to anyone who would demolish his arguments. Now of course this was a huge amount of money in those days. Lekram responded and wrote a book entitled Refutation of Bahini Ahmadiyya. A Christian newspaper called Noor Afshan reviewed his work, which was 625 pages and published into three parts. This newspaper said that the author has certainly excelled even the worst of fanatics in abuse, trash, lies, and fabrication. He has written such absurd and nonsensical things that no educated and civilized person would ever utter them, far less put them in black and white. So Lekram was to remain an opponent of Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, for the rest of his life. Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, invited religious leaders throughout India to come to Kardian for a year and stay in his company and observe all the heavenly signs with their own eyes. Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, stated that if they did not see any sign of truth, then he would give 200 rupees a month to them for wasting their time and failing to provide what was promised. Lake Ram took up this offer and asked for 200 rupees to be paid to him each month. Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, replied that the invitation had gone to selected religious leaders, not to everyone. He added, You are not the leader of any group of which you can have any influence, nor is your income so much. If, however, you can prove that you have been accepted as a leader, then you would be welcomed. But Lekram was unable to produce any evidence, but still, nevertheless, he came to Kardian. Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, offered him double the salary that he got as a police sergeant, provided he stayed for a year. Later, it was reduced to six months. But Lekram did not accept. Instead, he asked for 2,400 rupees to be deposited 
into a bank. Hazrat Mazaklam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, agreed if Lekwam did the same. He was certain that God would give him victory, but Lekwam refused. Finally, he said that he would accept 30 rupees a month and have a public debate with Hazrat Mezaklam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, which was accepted provided that it was confined to the Vedas and the Holy Quran, but he refused. After 25 days at Kardian, Lekwam finally departed. In his letter announcing that he was leaving, he asked Hazrat Mezaklam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, to produce a divine sign so that a decision could be seen to have been taken as to who was telling the truth. Hazrat Mezaklam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, replied that revelation was not a personal choice. Hazrat Mezaklam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, said that revelation was not a water tap which could be turned on and off at will, nor were all revelations necessary about happy events. He had been given revelations about certain people, friends and opponents alike, which might cause pain. He did not want to disclose these revelations without the permission of the people concerned. Lekwam's response was further ridicule of Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him. He said, You are at liberty to publish about me whatever you like. I permit you and I have no fear. Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, then disclosed that Lekwam was to die a violent death. Lekwam waved the prophecy aside. Lekwam said, Tell me the date when I will die and how I will die. He coupled his rejection of the prophecy with further attacks on the Holy Prophet and Islam. You are listening to Understanding Islam on the Voice of Islam, where we are covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Okay, so this has given you a quite detailed build-up as to what led to this prophecy and what was happening. So let's go through this a bit more now. First of all, Lekwam, as we mentioned, he was a leader of the Arya Samaj. But what sort of leader was he? Was he recognised as a leader in the main religions? Because this is what obviously Hazrat Mazaklam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, was aiming for. He wanted to make this challenge to the leaders of religions and didn't recognise Lekwam or Arya Samaj maybe as one of those religions. And so when Lekwam took up this challenge, initially he was saying that this is not for you. So what do you think? Should it have been for Lekwam? Was he really a leader? Ekan? He wasn't. He was just a religious leader of a small group of people. Whereas the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was sent for the whole of mankind. And the promised Messiah, may peace be on him, was sent for the reformation of the mankind. Whereas Lekram, he was just a nobody compared to him. Yes, I mean, obviously, as we said, he was very active. He converted and was very active in that particular group. He was an editor of a magazine in Urdu. And this particular group were very radical in the opposition towards other faiths. So I think at that time, later on it grew, of course, but at that time, I think this group 
was in early stages and wasn't really being recognised by the major religions. Basil, do you agree or what do you think? So I don't think he was a religious leader. What promised Messiah, peace be upon him, was looking for the leaders who had influenced over a majority of people, who were the people who created their certain sect. These were the kind of leaders the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, was looking for. And Pandit Lekram was just a leader of, of a group of people. He didn't have much influence, even though he wrote a lot of books against Islam, but he was not recognized as a leader. And that's exactly what the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, said, that if you just prove to me that you are actually a leader, then I would accept your challenge. I'm glad you brought that in. So even though the Messiah felt that he wasn't one of the leaders that he was addressing, still we gave him the opportunity. He said, okay, if you claim to be a leader, now prove it to us. Show us that you are a leader. You are someone who has that influence, who can affect people. Because this is what I am trying to do here. I'm trying to show you signs and I want then you to believe those signs and then go on and influence other people. But if you have got no one to influence, not like today when we have people who are influences, in those days, obviously, it was very difficult to get your message across to people. So he had a newspaper, he was an editor of a newspaper, but how many people read that newspaper? He wrote, like you say, 33 books, but how many people were reading those books? So I think at that time, the Pomesiah didn't really know much about him and was puzzled at, well, who is this person who is trying to take up the challenge? Now, with the books he's mentioned, that also was being criticised by others because it was badly written. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that he was writer of books? So any book you write, no matter what the contents, that is sufficient or should be a book worthy of people and not have this criticism that people were saying that it causes this criticism amongst people, especially the Muslims, criticising it. So what do you think about his books, his 33 books that he wrote? Okay, so Basil? I don't think his book really had many arguments against the points the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, or Islam as a whole was making. The majority of the content of these books were abusing the Prophet, peace be upon him, and abusing the Holy Quran and Islam as a whole. And these were not actually the points that could be used as an argument against Islam. The Messiah, to attract more people, he made an offer of a prize of 10,000 rupees. Now, of course, Messiah didn't have that sort of money. And so he was putting his own houses, his own lands to compensate this, to, to pay for it. So it means then that if he lost this challenge, he would have to sell all his houses and sell his lands to give that money. Now, 10,000 rupees, even in this day and age, that is a huge amount. But we're talking about over 100 years ago. I mean, okay, Khan, what do you think? Do you think that's a lot of money or that's a small amount of money? Yeah, it sounds like a lot of money, considering it was more than 100 years ago. And the way the promised Messiah, may peace be on him, was ready to sacrifice everything for this challenge, it just shows his determination to prove Lekram wrong. I think he wasn't, as you said, aiming for a small person like Lekram. I mean, this is a huge challenge and he expects then the top people to take up that challenge. He doesn't expect uh, nobody to take up the challenge. What do you think, Basil? Yeah, that's uh, exactly the point I wanted to make, that he wasn't actually targeting a specific person. 
he offered that challenge to to the whole mankind to every religious leader pandit lekram was not actually a leader that's the point we're trying to make obviously like I say if this was accepted and he lost it then he's ruined basically i mean this is well beyond him and because he's made this promise as a prophet of god he has to keep it up so he has to then sell all his property so of course he wants people who's going to take this challenge to be the right people in his mind he knew he couldn't lose otherwise he wouldn't have made such a challenge so he was that confident because he knew that he had got on his side besides this challenge he also asked the leaders that i want you now to come to kardian for one year so again why why do you think he wants anyone to come for one year so again let's start with you ekan because he knew that god was on his side and he wouldn't be disappointed he wanted other people to come to kardian so other people they can experience his company and that would just show them the truthfulness of the promised messiah's claim i think he offered the major leaders to come and visit kardian for a year because he wanted everyone to see the living signs of god to see the signs being fulfilled at the same time they're living in kardian so i think that's why he offered them to come to kardian yes i mean this is the main thing of course he wanted people to witness the signs themselves there's one thing him saying that you know i'm from god this signs from god and signs so forth but if people are actually there and they see it themselves then that removes the doubt and of course by being in his company that will rub off them and they will increase in their own spirituality and see their own signs the holy prophet all prophets in fact they wanted people to become the disciples who wanted people to be around them to witness what they are experiencing and then obviously to tell other people that we've seen this prophet do such and such such and such and this has always been a way and this is why the promissaire was constantly telling people to come spend some time with me you know and obviously just one day is not enough he wants you to spend some time so here he's saying for a whole year now of course for a whole year that's very difficult for anyone they have to stop their work and so on and so forth not only is he saying for one year but then he's compensating them and saying that if you come i will give you 200 rupees a month which again 200 rupees was a lot of money in those days he's not only saying that come but then you're going to suffer because you're going to have no food or anything like that but he is providing for them making sure that they got enough money for food for accommodation and they're not losing out so if they are worldly minded he is providing for that and if they are there for the wrong reasons still they will know that they're not going to lose out they're going to get 200 rupees a month but in the case of Lake Ram now he wasn't earning that much money looking at it through the pomisai's eyes here is a person who is trying to make money whether he is sincere or not it seemed by his attacks this person wasn't sincere and so if he comes and pomisai gives him 200 which was more than his annual wages then that would be making a lot of money and this person's obviously not sincere he's going to even if he sees a clear signs he's going to refuse it so for this case because the pomisai did not believe that he was true he said okay i'll give you 200 rupees a month but to make sure that you're not wasting the time 
that you're not going to be unsincere even if you see clear signs. So therefore, you also need to pay some money as a guarantee. So first, he needs to prove that he was a leader. If he could prove that he was a leader, then the promissor said that I will double your salary. You are a police sergeant. I will double that salary, which seems to be less than 200 rupees a month. So he knew that he wasn't earning that sort of money. So he said, but still, if you continue as a police sergeant, you're going to earn such money. I will give you double that money, providing that you stay for one year. But Lekram wasn't happy for that. And so he then reduced that time to six months, which is still a long time to see the sign. So he would still give him double as much of his salary for six months. But Lekram did not accept that. So now Lekram said that you give me 2,400 rupees and put that in the bank. Now, 2,400 rupees is a lot of money in those days. He's asking the promissor that you put that in the bank. So I've got this guarantee that I will stay with you for six months and you'll give me 2,400 rupees. So the promissor agreed to this. He said, yes, okay, I'll do this. I'll give you 2,400 rupees because he knew that God was on his side. But still, Lekwan refused this. So he's getting an offer of 2,400 rupees and he still refused it. So finally, he said that he would accept 30 rupees a month and that he wanted a public debate with Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed. Again, Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed accepted it. So you can see all the time he's accepting whatever conditions he has. So he said, I'll give you that, that public debate. I'll give you this 30 rupees per month, providing that in this public debate, you keep to the Vedas and the Holy Quran. And yet he refused. Now, Ikan, why? Why do you think he kept refusing? And here he's got a chance for public debate, which he was doing all the time, apparently. And yet he refused. So why do you think this was? Why do you think he kept refusing? I think it's because of his lack of knowledge that he didn't want to risk it. Because if he has a public debate and his people are watching it and listening to it and he doesn't have anything to say against the promised Messiah in front of him. It doesn't really look good, which is the reason he didn't really want to do it. If you know that you are truthful, you wouldn't hesitate taking up such a challenge. Promissar was offering it. Why? Because he knew. He knew that God was on his side. He knew that whatever he said was true. And so he had no fear. But the fact that Lekram kept refusing and refusing and, and these big offers, which was far beyond what he was actually earning, and yet he still refused. Having a public debate, but what did he want to debate? The Promissor then said, as long as you keep it to the Vedas and the Holy Quran. So he would talk about the Holy Quran, he's not going to talk about the Vedas, why should he talk about the Vedas? But Lekwan would talk about the Vedas. So now it came to, as you said, does he know the Vedas? Previously, all he knew was abuse. He abused the Holy Prophet, he abused Islam, but could he talk about the Vedas? Now we've seen this again, which we'll talk about later, about where the Messiah took part in a great conference of religions. And again, it was all about talking from your holy books. And he was about the only one that talked on the holy books, about the holy Quran. The fact that Le Quran refused to have the public debate can only be because 
it was on the Vedas. And he was only used to abuse, not quoting from what the actual Vedas say. And he knew that just now questioning the Vedas, would he have the verses to do a debate from the Vedas? Yes, he can abuse other people. It's easy to abuse. But to actually support what you're saying from the Vedas, that was a different thing. And so this is why I believe he refused. Buzzer? Yeah, that's actually a very good point you raised because you see, people who do not actually have solid arguments often go towards character assassination and abusing and not coming to the actual topic, the fundamentals, the basis of the religion. They don't come to that. They seek refuge in abusing the person and the religion as a whole. Yes, I mean, this is exactly what we see in the Holy Quran. That Allah says that every prophet, when he came, he was abused by the people, his own people. And why was he abused? Because they couldn't find anything from their own teachings to prove him wrong. And so instead, they attacked his character. It's easy to say something about someone, but obviously this is slander and you need to support your slander. And of course, such people couldn't support the slander. So we see that even though the promised sire offered for him to stay for one year, in reality, he only stayed 25 days, which was still a long time. 25 days, you can see many signs. But when he departed, then he didn't even tell the Pomisai he's leaving. He just, he left and sent a letter saying that the Pomisai now should produce a divine sign. And from that divine sign, it will show who's telling the truth. So instead of himself showing any signs that he's telling the truth, he is saying, well, Pomisai, you show a sign. And if you can't show a sign, that means that I am truthful. But again, the Pomisai took up this challenge. So this is the thing that we have to see, that the character of the two people, that one is constantly trying to back out and the other one is accepting whatever he's asking him to do. You are listening to Understanding Islam on The Voice of Islam, where we are covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. But the promised Messiah explained also this, that what is a divine sign? It's not for him to just suddenly get a divine sign. This is for God to give him the sign. He can't, and no one can demand from God, I want to see a sign. And the promised is certainly not going to go to God and say, give me a sign. You don't do this. You've got to be humble. And this is what he is saying, that it's not a personal choice. It's not his choice. He can't just produce a sign. It's up to Allah, whether Allah wants to give a sign. And so he nicely explained this by using the example of a water tap. That if you turn a water tap on, obviously water comes. If you turn it off, the water stops. That's a water tap. But Revelation's not like that. You can't just turn on Revelation when you want it and turn it off whenever you want it. This is the thing that Pomisai is saying, that I can't give you a sign. That is up to God. If God chooses to give you a sign, then so be it. But that is up to God. And then he also warned him that signs may not be what you want. Now, again, we see this in the Holy Quran, where they're constantly asking the Holy Prophet for a sign. But we need to understand this. What is this sign they're asking for? And a sign is a punishment from God. 
No one really wants that sign. You know, they are challenging the Holy Prophet to show a sign, but there's a sign they don't want to see. They don't want to see that a punishment is going to come. But because they think that there's no God, he's not going to punish us. And so they declare that, oh, give us a sign. So this is the thing again which the Messiah is saying, that look, okay, if God does give you the sign that you're demanding, it may be a sign that you might not like. So think about this. Is this really what you want? And he warned him that sometimes they're not happy events. Sometimes they are relating about people. Maybe the deaths or things like this can happen. So do you really want that sign? So he's giving them the chance to think about this sign. So again, what do you think? Has he given him that chance before he shows this sign? Given enough warning to make him think about what he is asking for? I think the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, gave him enough opportunities to, to prove himself, I mean the Pandit Lekram, to be on the right path. And all he did was abuse the Prophet, peace be upon him, in return, and abuse Islam. and kept abusing the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay, because we can see from the response now of Lekwam that Promisar warned him that, look, if God does show you a sign, as you are demanding, it may be a sign you might not like. But how did Lekwam respond? He ridiculed Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him. He said that you are at liberty to publish about me whatever you like. I permit you, I have no fear. I don't care what it is. Do it if that's the case. So this is arrogance from his side. He is saying that even though you're warning me that it may be a sign which may indicate my death or whatever, he's saying, I have no fear. Bring it on, whatever you want. So I think this is arrogance. What do you think? Yeah, it is arrogance. Right, so let's go back to now what was the prophecy. Lekwam demanded a sign and even though Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, warned him that he may not like it, he boldly and arrogantly said that you are at liberty to publish whatever you like. I don't care. You've permitted. I have no fear. So after this, then Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed disclosed that Lekwam was to die a violent death. Now, I think he had already been told this by God, but this is why he was leading into it, saying, look, God's warning me this, but I'm not going to tell you straight away. And so he warned him that, look, you know, you may not like what I'm going to say, but the arrogance was there. And so he continued and said, bring it on, I don't care. So now he disclosed to Lake Wam that you're going to die a violent death. But again, how did Lake Wam respond? He weighed the prophecy aside and he said, tell me the date, when I will die and how I will die. So again, to me, that's just showing arrogance. I mean, you've been informed by God that you're going to die. And instead of repenting or showing some remorse, this arrogance comes out that tell me the date when I'm going to die and how I'm going to die. So Basil, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think like you mentioned, it's the arrogance and we didn't see any regret Lekwam said, tell me the date when I'll die and how i die. Not only this, but then he coupled his rejection of the prophecy that he's going to die and made further attacks on the Holy Prophet and Islam. The prophecy that he's going to die 
had no effect on him at all. Instead, he continued having attack on the Holy Prophet and Islam. Going back to the passage in Malfazat, Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, has said, Five years in advance, announcements were published by the parties involved in which a prophecy was made. So, that prophecy. Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, prophesied that six years from today, that being the February the 20th, 1893, so six years from that date, so February 20th, 1899, this man, Lekwam, will be overtaken by severe torment as a punishment for the disrespect which he has manifested towards the Holy Prophet. So he's making it very clear here that it's not on him. It's because of what he is saying about Islam and the Holy Prophet. So he will get a severe torment within six years. So he continued that he said that by announcing this prophecy, I inform all Muslims, Christians and followers of other religions that if this person is not overtaken within a period of six years from today by a torment that is distinguishable from ordinary suffering that should bear an extraordinary character and should be in the nature of the divine chastisement, then you can truly say that I have not been sent by God Almighty, nor do I speak under his Spirit. So I think here, Hazrat Mazaglam Muhammad has made it very clear that this is a prophecy, and within six years, he's going to have this punishment, and it's going to be severe. It's going to be not an ordinary thing. It's going to be something special. So, Basil, what do you think? Is this clear? Yes, I think it's really clear that he finally got exactly what he was asking for. He didn't show any remorse. In fact, he ignited the wrath of God and asked for it, actually, that I need a sign. And that's exactly what he got, I think. So, Hazrat Mazaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, further declared, I saw myself sitting in a large house with some friends. Suddenly, I saw a man in front of me fearful looking with bloodshot eyes not a human being i thought but a dreadful and dangerous angel he struck terror into those who saw him as i looked at him he said where is lake Quran? he then named another man i then understood that this person had been appointed to punish lake Quran and this other man so I think, again, this is now becoming even more clear. This is a vision that he saw. And in that vision, as he says, he, in a vision, saw that a person appeared with bloodshot eyes. So this is the first thing. He had bloodshot eyes. So that's very clear that his eyes were bloodshot. And he wasn't like a human being. So the prophesied in this vision thought that this must be a dreadful and some sort of dangerous angel. And he struck terror into those who saw him. So those around him were terrified by this person. And he then asked that where is Lake Quran? And he named some other person. Of course, the promissor didn't mention who that other person was because he's relating this to be Lake Quran. So he may have been told who that person was, but he didn't want to declare that. So he said, where is Lake Quran? So here it's very clear that in this vision, He's named him. I am going after Lake Ram. 
And so upon Messiah, in his mind, when he's seen this vision, he's thinking that this is a person who has been appointed by God to punish Lake Quran and whoever this other person is. I'd say he didn't actually name that person. So now more clear details are coming into this prophecy. So Basil, what do you think? Is this sounding like a prophecy from God or is this something that a person could make up? I think looking at the details of the prophecy, the, the precision of the prophecy, I don't think it's something that one can make up. And in fact, making something up six years before the actual happening of the prophecy, I don't think anyone can make this up. So Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, has further said, I do not bear any personal admonesty to Lake Quran or to any other person. So this again is very clear that he's a prophet of Allah. And all prophets of Allah, they don't hate anybody, no matter what they do. They love all mankind. They don't want to see anybody being hurt. But here he's hearing how Lake Quran is being punished. So he's making it very clear that personally, I don't want to see this. I don't bear any harm at all to Lake Quran or to any other person. This is the way the prophets. But he continues to say, but this man, Lekwam, this man has proved himself to be the enemy of truth and has spoken contemporaneously of the perfect and human being who is the fountainhead of all truth. So here he's relating to the Holy Prophet that this person, Lekwam, has been speaking badly about the Holy Prophet. But it goes on. In a book of Persian poetry, Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, wrote, Beware, O foolish and misguided foe, fear the sharp sword of Muhammad. Now, here again, making it very clear that it's about Lekwam and about fearing the sharp sword of Muhammad. How do you think he should respond? All the prophecies from the promised Messiah, they were fulfilled. And this was bound to happen. And instead of just repenting for his sins, he just kept on saying more. Even though the prophecies of the promised Messiah, may peace be on him, they came to be true. But Lekram, he ignored all the other prophecies before and he continued to be arrogant. So yes, after hearing this poetry, that feared the sharp sword of Muhammad, but once again Lekram waved away the revelation. He didn't take any notice, he didn't care about them. So, Hazrat Mazaglam Ahmed in this passage has said that this prophecy contained no condition and was perfectly straightforward. So, let's look at this prophecy. There are six things regarding this prophecy. The first is that the Quran will meet with a dreadful end. The second is that this death will take place within six years. So he mentioned six years. Third, and another thing which we haven't really mentioned today, but it will be on a day close to Eid. Eid is a celebration for Muslims. There's two Eids in a year. So he's saying it will be on a day close to Eid, either before it or after. So a few days before or a few days after. The fourth point from all these prophecies is that his body would be dismembered during the execution. So again, an execution, he's going to die in a very bad way. His body's going to be dismembered. The fifth point was that the execution 
would be carried out by a person with bloodshot eyes. He's particularly mentioned bloodshot eyes. And the sick point is that the sword of Muhammad would carry out this execution. So the sword of Muhammad indicates that it's a Muslim who's going to carry out this execution. So Le Quran himself made a prophecy. So Ikan, do you know what that prophecy was? Yeah, I think it was that the promised Messiah, may peace be on him, was that he would die of diarrhea within three years. And that was just him being arrogant. Okay, it was close. Lekwar made the prophecy that Ahmed would die of cholera within three years. So you mentioned diarrhea, but cholera is the actual thing that he mentioned. So three years passed. What happened? Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, outlived Lekwar's revelation. Three years passed. You are listening to Understanding Islam on The Voice of Islam, where we are covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah. Peace be upon him. Hazrat Mazar Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, said in this passage that if Lekwam had lived, undoubtedly an uproar would have erupted. But this could only happen if what I had said was not from God, in which case the end would have spelled humiliation for me. So here in this passage he's making it clear that he's declared very clearly how he's going to die, where he's going to die, when he's going to die. If it doesn't happen, what's going to happen? The world is going to turn on him and mock him. He made this prophecy, it hasn't happened. Again, as we mentioned many times before, with these prophecies, if we look even with the Holy Prophet, when he makes such prophecies, if they don't come true, people will mock it. Of course, there's, you know, normally with such prophecies, found in the Holy Quran, there's no time limit. But here he's actually made a time limit. And that is within six years. So this is the case which Hazmaz Akram is saying that he has put himself forward now and said that this is what's going to happen. And if it doesn't, then the whole world will turn against him and mock him. So what do you think? Is that correct assumption? Yeah, I think the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, himself stated that if you want to judge my truthfulness, judge them based upon my prophecies. And this ultimately is the sign of the existence of God as well, that these prophecies are in reality fulfilled and that proves that God exists and the prophet that is making that prophecy through God is true. As I said, it's been very clear, six points made about this prophecy. And now what was that outcome? Was that prophecy fulfilled or not? So in the early evening, between 6 and 7 o'clock on Saturday, March the 6th, 1897, in a securely locked and guarded house of Lekwam, Lekwam was killed. So if you remember, we mentioned in the beginning that on the 20th of February, 1893, he said that within six years, so he's within the six years, the other thing being shown here is that Lekwam did have some fear. And so he was in a well-secured place and it was guarded. Again, he's taking his precautions to make sure, you know, he's had a threat on his life. He's going to make sure that it's not going to happen. 
Now, Lakram was on the top floor of his study, and a well-built man thrust a dagger into Lakram's belly and rotated it, severing his entrails a number of times. The wife and mother of Lakram, who were in an adjoining room, rushed in when they heard his cries. The mother was knocked to the floor by a man with bloodshot eyes. So she herself said that he's got bloodshot eyes. No one saw this man after that time, though there were many people on the ground floor and out in the street, yet no one saw him leave. It was later disclosed that a man had been living in the house for some time and had become Lake Ram's trusted companion. Now, Lake Ram's death caused a great uproar. It was alleged that the murderer must have been committed by Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed's behest because he had prophesied it. But Hazrat Mezaglam Ahmed dismissed any accusations, saying that no religious leader could command respect if they had urged any follower to carry out such assassination. First of all, this person who committed the crime, Lekwam, was either trying to convert him or become a friend to him. He felt that this person was trusted. He didn't have any qualms, fears from this person. But that person, after this happened, suddenly disappeared. No one knows how, no one could catch him or anything like this. Now, of course, Hazrat Mezaglamambad was accused because he made the prophecy. Obviously, he's going to become a suspect. But it's interesting again here that Hazrat Mezaglamambad said that no religious leader could command respect if he had urged any follower to carry out such an assassination. So, Ekan, what do you think? What does he mean by this? So firstly, Islam doesn't teach us to kill. In the Quran it says if you kill one person, you kill the whole mankind. Secondly, if a prophet commands one of the people to do a deed for him so that the prophecy can be fulfilled, then that is not a prophecy from God. That's a prophecy that he's making up himself. And thirdly, if something like this happens, like if a religious leader commands one of his people to carry out a deed so that he can say that this is a prophecy from God, then the people will lose the respect they have for that particular religious leader. I just want to make a point that no matter how many precautions you take, if the wrath of God has been written for you, it will come to you. So as we have seen that in the case of Pandit Lekram, he was well guarded by his security guards and he was on the top floor of his building. Still, someone got to him and killed him. So that speaks volume that you cannot escape the wrath of God. Okay, good. Good points. So the death of Lekwan was merely as God had ordained and had revealed to Hazamazaglam Ahmed. It was the hand of God that had carried out his death. The man who had killed him was a hidden instrument of God. Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, had said, If I had been there, I would have tried to save him, because that would be my human duty. So if he was present there, in Lekwam's room, and he saw this person, 
even though he knows that this is going to fulfill this prophecy, his duty would always be to defend that person and save that person from this attack, from this murder. So this is obviously what we all should be doing, of course, if we're there. It doesn't matter about prophecy. The fact is that you're not going to be witnessing someone killing someone if you can try to save that person. So he's made it very clear that if I was there, I would try and save him because that, that is my human duty. But this is the hand of God. Now, the manner and time of Lake Ram's death exactly fulfilled the prophecies of Hazrat Meza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be upon him. He had been killed within six years and within a day of the Eid festival. His body had been dismembered in that his entrails had been cut. The executioner had been a man with bloodshot eyes, just as he said, and the execution had been carried out by a sharp sword, the sharp sword of Muhammad. So therefore, as he had prophesied, exactly as he had been prophesied, in which, again, Lekwam demanded, he wanted to know the time, the place and everything like that. So as he demanded, God had told him, and that had happened. Now the police did a thorough investigation. They searched Hazrat Mezaglam Amr's house, but they could find no proof whatsoever of anything connecting him with that murder. Strangely, the murderer was never found. He was a big person. But, like I say, no one saw him leave the building. What happened to him? Who knows? If he was an angel, whether he was a person, who knows? But he disappeared. Even though the police investigated it, it was in the public eye, they couldn't find him. The Hindu press, as well as the police, suspected a Muslim was offended by Lekwam's writing. At the end of the day, this proves the truth of the promised Messiah. So what do you think? You've heard the facts, you've heard the prophecy. Do you think that this proves the truth of the promised Messiah or not? So all the prophecies that the promised Messiah, may peace be upon him, had about Lekram's death, it cannot be just from the person, it has to be from God because he knew about the time he was going to die. It was going to be close to Eid, it was going to be within six years, and the bloodshot eyes of the murderer. So all these prophecies came true, and it was done by a sword, like mentioned in the prophecy, that the sword of Muhammad. So this is clearly a great sign from God. I think it's one of the biggest signs of the truthfulness of promised Messiah, peace be upon him. And the precision which he made the prophecy was exactly fulfilled in the form of the assassination of Pandit Lekra. So I think it's definitely a phenomenal sign for the truthfulness of the promised Messiah. Okay, thank you for that. So as we said, Lekran demanded a sign. Once he heard the sign that he was going to die, he demanded a when, how it was going to happen. And all these things was given by Allah to the promised Messiah who related these things. Six years before, it's not a small time, it's six years before. And so, yes, as you said, it clearly shows that this can only be from Allah. There's no way that anyone would make such a prophecy so clear. Normally, it might be a vague prophecy, but this is so clear. Even his eyes was mentioned. 
And the fact that he was not found also seems to me that it can only be from God that God didn't want this person to be found. So thank you for listening. I hope that this has been a clear sign for you. And I'd like to end by saying Assalamualaikum wa rahmatullah wa In one of the poems, the promised Messiah, may peace be upon him, said that one sign is enough if you really have the fear of God. And following the death of Pandit Lekram, there has been way too many signs. And this has been really beneficial, hearing about it all. And thank you so much for having us. It's been a very faith-inspiring session for me as well. So thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to Understanding Islam on The Voice of Islam. And today we have been covering the signs and help of Allah for the promised Messiah, peace be upon him.